Well, oh, hello. hello. Hi, everybody. Hi, Mr. Herlin. How you doing tonight? Hi, Miss Lubbers. How are you? Great. Um, it's been a, a, a long couple of days with state testing, and so now um, here we are. We're thinking about the last sort of eight weeks, eight nine weeks of the school year. Hard to believe. I know, and that we that we've come this far is like pretty pretty awesome. Um, so what what I was thinking about is um, after we had our talk last week with um, discover, discuss, and demonstrate, uh, we really you and I got caught up on UDL, and we kind of wanted to do a deeper dive in terms of research about what UDL is and how does it compare to some of the other things that we do in our classroom. Um, and so I just thought uh, we would talk about it sure. today, if you're good with that. Yeah, I think it's um, it's really cool because it reminds me a little bit of UBD you know, with um, backward design. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I think what's really separates it though is also takes into mind equity. And yes. that really makes it a priority um, that really all students can learn and all students can kind of have their unique ways that they do learn or the way, unique ways they can express themselves. Yes. We can be utilized in this approach. Um, it's sort of, it sort of helps this concept of the, you know, the one size fits all approach that oftentimes, you know, you see in classrooms. Yes. Um, one so of the things definition yeah yeah so um, okay so we, we actually went back to the cult of pedagogy if you remember from a few episodes back we did uh we sort of did our own um investigation of the best tech tools and so going back there we learned that um universal design for learning that's udl um what the acronym is for. It's a framework for designing learning experiences so students have options for how they learn, what materials they use, and how they demonstrate their learning. When implemented with a lens of equity, as you said, the framework has the potential to eliminate opportunity gaps and exclude many learners, especially those who have been historically marginalized. Um, equal opportunities to learn have incredibly purposeful, proactive, and flexible, but UDL creates a learning environment that is least restrictive and most culturally responsive um, and trauma-informed environments for all students. So we got this definition from Katie Novak and Mirko Chardon who wrote the book Equity by Design. So we thought we'd look at it for our own planning um now that we were going to go to ed protocols next but then we thought we were kind of like jumping ahead i yeah. guess yeah what, what's really cool is some of what i think are the good really cool core beliefs of udl um mm -hmm. and essentially um it's really asset-based beliefs so they talk about um if you're a true practitioner of you know udl you basically look at very variability is the rule um, that student learns in different ways, getting different materials, they share what they've learned in different ways to reach the same goals. Um, all students can work towards the same firm goals and grade level standards when you're provided with um, adequate challenge and support. And then all students will become expert learners. And this is the part that so often we forget, I think. 
Um, yeah. If the barriers are removed and they're given opportunities to self-differentiate. Yes, because and that's a huge people, difference. Yes, people mistake UDL with differentiation. So we're gonna we're gonna go into the core beliefs and then we're gonna break it down how it differs from that. But would you like to first take us to the buffet because you you really liked that uh, <laughs> metaphor and analogy that she used. Yeah, well, it's just the concept of um, UDL is like that banquet where you're having a dinner party and you invite people over, but if you want everyone to you know to enjoy themselves, and food is a tough one sometimes. That if you think if you just take the approach of, well, I'm gonna make a casserole, you know, make a tuna noodle casserole, you know, peas and you know gravy, whatever goes in there, and yeah, some people may like that. But many may not like the tuna fish part of it. Maybe they're, you know, vegetarian. I don't know. Maybe different different barriers could be there. And so they're going to go into that like, oh, boy, I wish I would have eaten beforehand. Yeah. Look like our students, when teachers take um, really that one, you know, we're going to watch a video and then you're going to write an essay. That yes. one, That one's, you know, that one method. And whereas the buffet approach, you know, if I know kind of going into it, if I'm designing my, my meal, almost like a buffet, I'm thinking, okay, what vegan things could I have? Uh, you know, what types of um, vegetables, you know, just try to vary things and make and give people as many choices as you can. Yeah. Possible. And, and you're constantly making it ever changing and evolving. Yeah. Because and you're trying to think about, you know, what might be some of the, the problems or the issues that, so you look at it like, what things could come into play to make my dinner party a disaster? So it's like being proactive. Yes. So if you're trying to have a nice meal, you, you know, think about this and there might be vegetarians or vegans. There might be, you know, those picky eaters like myself, you know, I mean, it, I'm looking for the hamburgers and the hot dogs, you know, with a regular roll, you know? Right. So ketchup and mustard, not Dijon or something, you know, like keep it simple. So it's <laughs> the same way with our, with our classrooms. You know, there's so often, um, you know, people try to do the one-stop shop and then you miss so many other opportunities for students to learn and really feel comfortable and get engaged quickly. So yeah, it's like it's almost, <clears throat> so if you think about it with that one-stop casserole, it's like automatically just because it's like when, when we were kids, you know, and and we'd ask our friend, our friend would say, well, do you want to come over for dinner? And we'd say, well, um, I don't know, what's your mom making? And, and then if it was something good, with a lot of options, we might go over there. But if not, we would be like, oh, no, I think I'm gonna stick with, you know, whatever my mom's making at home. Yeah. Um, so I like that it, it builds critical uh, self-awareness. Um, it, it's in it, it gives the kids a chance to reflect on the barriers that they're facing so they can identify, you know, what is it about what is being offered that they're not interested in. And, and as we get to know them a little bit better, um, we can we can identify, like we think about our classes. Right now we have 12 different sections. Right. And the mix of those kids are different depending on the time of day, oh, depending on that group of kids. And so there was one line that you pointed out that I missed actually, where you said, um, or they said intrapersonal variability matters not as much as interpersonal variability. And if none of the foods works for you, you will definitely need an opportunity to share what you need. So it's also teaching them 
to be able to identify what isn't working for them so that they can advocate for what will work for them much of the same way, like you said, like I'm, I'm allergic to shellfish or whatever. Right. That helps us as teachers too. Oh yeah. I mean, yes. You. I mean, in, in the whole dinner party scenario, you can only think of so many things. So, unless someone tells you, you don't think about. Maybe you know, maybe you do think about allergies. Maybe peanut butter or you know. Right. Things. But honestly, I probably would forget about that. Sure. So, but unless, you know, unless someone tells you, you know. And what makes it even more empowering is if you can build that advocacy and independence where the kids can start bringing um, what they need to the table, right? Like a potluck. Right. So then eventually they would, we would give them enough um, tools and protocols, things like that, that they're, they're able to bring their own ideas to what would be good. What should we add? So well, we, we've been talking about belief one variability. Yes. So really taking those different, like you mentioned, skills, interests, and needs and preferences that each one of us, you know, each one of them brings to the classroom. So that's kind of kind of a neat thing to think about, you know. And, and I, again, as you mentioned just a second ago, you know, trying to get the students to share what they actually need if, if it's not being met. You know, yes. So that's kind of important. What's belief number two? Belief number two is having firm goals, but a flexible means to get there. In the in the um, analogy that Mirko used, I just wanted to get his name right, was if, if you have a destination where you have to be somewhere, um, like let's say, um, I think you said a cruise. Some people, a family cruise, some people are gonna fly some people will drive, some people will um, take a train. Um, but as long as everybody knows the deadline of when they have to be there, it doesn't really matter whether they walk, run, hop or fly or drive. Um, and so that's what that means. It's like, it's like you have this goal in mind where you have a deadline where they're gonna have to demonstrate their learning but you don't, how they get there is open, is a little bit more open. And the way that they can discover that learning is through, um, as we mentioned before, those those different like variable options. So let's dig in a little bit more about this firm goals and flexible means yeah, what, when it comes to the classroom. Well, I think, um, for example, just having the, uh, the concept in your head that every student can learn at a high level and yes. so like UBD does at the end of this lesson or the unit what do my learners have to know or be able to do and then once you identify that which most people can do pretty easily you know teacher wise um, once you do that and this is the part that's so often we don't fully think about is that based on the variability in my class so you have to know your students Yes. And based on the, the variability of my class, what, and here's, I even started and underlined it tr three times. What <laughs> barriers, what barriers may prevent learners from working towards the goal? And then, so once you know what those barriers are, how can I, as the teacher, eliminate those through the design of my lesson? Right. That's awesome stuff when you truly think about that. Yeah, and, and it also is like, just come as you are, right? Because kids show up differently mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Yes. And they mix together. So 
The, the other thing is like some days they're going to need to work on their own. Some days they're, we want to teach them to reflect on, do I need to be in a small group? Would it be more fun and engaging for me to be in a small group? Or would it be better if I just work with one friend, you well, know? Yeah. Like, well, like the two of us, given that you're ELA and I'm, you know, I'm social studies, we do a lot of writing. Right. And so for example, you know, we, I mean, I know you do this, we do this all the time too in social studies, it's in my class too. Like for example, write arguments to support claims with evidence and reasoning. So we know many students struggle with organization. So again, if you think of the food analogy again, yeah, like a buffet style sort of learning menu, if you will. Um, how do you proactively do that? Well, you have a graphic organizer. You know, you have a, some exemplars. You have resources that have maybe sentence starters or words and you know words and phrases that they could use to link their sentences or yeah uh, our transition you know. a list of transitions right. and how to use them at certain times in their in their essay writing so you're basically giving the student the empowerment you know to choose what they need to organize their writing yeah and that's where we come to um ex belief three which is expert learning and i like this because they referenced this book called Learning to Choose, Choosing to Learn by Michael um, Anderson. And I think what a perfect time. We've been talking about resiliency. We've been talking about empowering kids to become a little bit more in independent. But what do you and, think he means though, when he says learning to choose? Like what? It, uh, what so is it's what you're doing is, is we wanna foster by incorporating student choice in every lesson, um, we're encouraging them and we're fostering them to choose on their own, like their best, best method for learning that information versus, well, I'm gonna just do it the way that Mr. Herlin wants me to do it. Yeah, but- That'll but, make him yeah. happy, you know, happy. Yeah, but you know what's gonna happen, Miss Lewis, you know, come on. You know, it's like, I'm gonna work with my buddies and we're gonna mess around. So ultimately, how does that, how do you get around that bad choice, I guess? Well, you have to teach them to take the reins and one one method that, that he suggests, and we, we're gonna talk, we're gonna dig deeper into this next yeah. week, but through his, he's got a method, it's called choose, do, review method. Students, um, so teachers transition their roles to facilitator. They can provide feedback that guides students to understand and self-evaluate their choices, determine what works for them and what doesn't, and give them opportunities to make better choices in the future and provide feedback about learning design. So it requires a lot of patience because it's almost like an experiment with choice. They have because, to see like that they don't that they're wasting their time. You know, mm -hmm. they have to self-reflect and we have to be willing to allow them to figure that out. Yeah, and we gotta be willing to let the chips fall. Because letting the chips fall is really good for kids. Yeah, yeah I think um, I just read something, um, I listened to another podcast and Sarah Blakely, she's like the CEO of the company Spanx and every night her father at dinner would say, what did you do, how did you fail today? And it and it wasn't it wasn't meant to be like um, criti critical. It was so that 
she could identify what went wrong and how 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 she, she would do it. She was just reflecting on how she would do it differently the next time. But making that choice and being empowered to make that choice, having things not work out all the time, being able to reflect on why that doesn't work out is really empowering because we know for ourselves, when you made a mistake as a kid in school or even as an adult, sometimes when we make the most mistakes is when we learn more. Oh, of course, yeah. Right, well, like because it gets your attention. And also, you know, when, when, you, when students don't have the opportunities to choose doing review like Zaretta Hammond says yeah they become dependent on the teacher yes and you see this all the time yes don't students don't know how or they're unsure of how to tackle a task and it I can't tell you like we're currently working on a playlist on imperialism and expansionism and I can't tell you the number of times that they so often aren't sure how to tackle the task and it's become because they become dependent on the teacher. But we we have what I like is that then they went into that that some teachers have kind of facilitated that dependence mm-hmm. and fostered that dependence instead because they do similar lessons. So like for example, an old school lesson would be like, hey, if I'm going to teach you about um, communicable disease and how it spreads and how how you, you know, and, and I want you to watch this video from the CDC, and then I want you to write an essay. And right. even though the writing the essay is not, writing standard is not there. We all have to follow the standards, you know, like that's like, that's the other firm part of um, uh, number two, the belief two. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, even though the writing isn't the standard that we're wanting them to capture, we we stick to that goal, right? Yeah. And so and so they're like, so then they're like, okay, well, what do you want us to stay? So we get in this habit of like the teacher does the thinking. How many, how sentences? many sentences? Yeah. yeah. And so so what I liked about this is is now we're going to talk about, and I hope that you'll talk about this because you do this excellently. Um, but you want to provide multiple means of engagement, and this is how UDL would look with that same scenario. If my standard is to teach about communicable disease and how to stop the spread, this is how UDL would suggest that you should do it. Go ahead. We have to start out uh, by getting them engaged or motivated, so providing options to build interest. Um, so at the beginning of the class, you could, I guess, list, you know, project a list of communic- communicable diseases like the cold, strep throat, influenza, et cetera. And yeah. then you can have those those diseases paired with a visual. Uh, students could use their phones or, or Chromebooks to, you know, ask their friends, does my throat look, look like that? Or, uh, you know, if the teacher has to open. Right. Does someone want to uh, add another one to the list? You know? Yeah. yeah. Someone might say like mono or what COVID or whatever the case may be. So right. he writes it down. So, you know, given 10 or 15 minutes, students could work independently or with a partner or with a teacher. Um, list as many symptoms. They have the option to write words down. They could draw them on a graphic organizer. They're encouraged. They could, they could capture them. pictures from um, the internet and put them, put them in there. People could work standing up, sitting down. This is what we, what we call learniture. You could have those, you know, they could sit at a table with a TV to hook to it. 
right. you know, it's a little bit more difficult now with COVID, but there's always ways to kind of sort of adapt a little bit here. So yeah. essentially you want to provide multiple means of engagement. Secondly, yeah. you want to make sure in the lesson that you provide multiple means of, of represent, representation. So what does that all mean? So um, for representation, you want them to be able to demonstrate their comprehension of what they had just learned. So whatever methods that they, that they use to get there is just fine. But instead of just the teacher giving a lecture through the video of that one way, what, what we can do is um, there's there's several different ways you could you could have somebody be the expert on vocabulary. You could have someone who has a parent in the medical field. Yeah. Uh -huh. right? They could zoom in and they could talk to talk with the students. Even using um, closed captions, right? Because stu those students find it easier to read off the screen. Sometimes they miss things. Yeah. Yep. Some kids that really like to translate could take could take a video in English and translate it to another language. Um, they could review pamphlets from the nurse's office. They could um, check in with their teacher. They can ask questions. They can provide feedback, which will lead then to their demonstration. And instead of having a multiple choice test or just that one essay, how might they like show their learning? Ideally, you want to try to make it authentic personalized to what's going on in the real world mm -hmm. um, and you know that's really you know, the whole idea of demonstrating um, to an audience of some sort so I mean that could be anything from a record a video record a podcast like we're doing yep. create a pamphlet an infographic suggest or they could suggest an alternative um, so essentially um, and then having sort of a, a checklist that, that thing that students could use to kind of self-assess before they actually submit it so yeah, you might like, even offer an original way to yeah, demonstrate yeah. their learning. You know, so they can do that. want to provide a real world scenario. Product, yeah. So, so how is UDL different from differentiation then? Isn't that oh, just differentiating? Well, um, they sound familiar, but not exactly the same. So I guess um, essentially teachers in a differentiated classroom start with their current curriculum so in my case social studies and then you know they try to adapt see when you differentiate you can dip you differentiate the content the process the product um, the environment even mm -hmm. so and then those students might you know receive certain support or enrichment that they might need and that's important but it doesn't and this is the part that's interesting it do, unlike UDL, it doesn't make them reflect on making the choices for themselves of what might work best. Or you begin to label them, which we know isn't healthy. Oh, this is the vegan group. We did this targeted instruction and this is the vegan group. So I just have to leave out, you know, any any form of meat or animal products. But but what if kids in the class don't like tofu or what or in that group? Do you know what I mean? Don't like tofu. So so what was nice about this is that reflection, getting them to make choices, getting them to build ownership of their learning can also uh, benefit because then we can really offer them explicit support, which is yes. very helpful because it helps them self-differentiate it encourages them to build autonomy and independence instead of us always, you know, 
being the ones to do the differentiating depending on what group they're in. And, and then they went into sort of the cultural impact, the key, the key to creating success. And, and we looked at this book like anti-racism and the universal design for learning. And um, what, they, what they wanted, um, Andre Tesha Fitzgerald, she designed, um, she said, this kind of design honors our students that when we provide them with choice and voice, we communicate these things. Will you say what we communicate? Yeah, I mean, ultimately that the students are more important than the systems that we're serving. So mm -hmm. It's a big deal that the students are more important than my own personal preference. As a teacher. As a teacher, yeah. Yeah. That the students are more important than the way the content may come packaged for them. Um, whether, you know, it's online or on a certain tech book or something. Um, that that the teacher themselves is willing, they're willing to learn about how to help you, the student, reach your life goals, which is a big difference sometimes. Right. And that the students are important and that teachers will honor them with the type of instruction that holds that holds them accountable and empowers the students to take ownership of their own learning. And ultimately, this really led me to one of the, um, to kind of wrap it up, I guess here, um, but it, I believe it was, yeah, Mirko Chardon um, uh, sh shared in Equity by Design, really what the promise and the power of UDL is. And I'll, we'll kind of end with this quote here. Yes. She says, um, educators hold incredible power power to design learning experiences, power to set expectations for students, power to elevate and celebrate student voices, power to inspire and motivate students, the power to create consequences, and the power to allow for choice and personalization. We as teachers have to understand that all of us carry that power and privilege, and we must use it as a tool to confront and dismantle inequities so all students will have equal opportunities to learn love it it creates equity and we meet students where they are we say as they come walk up, into the classroom come as you are come as you are we have the buffet and you know what if we don't have what you're interested in you'll tell us you'll tell us and we'll figure out what um how best to serve you i love it awesome all right well it's great to pick off another piece of the chocolate you miss lewards great to break off the piece of the chalk with you and we'll hope to see you back everyone next week next tuesday have a great week everybody so long okay bye oh thank you